Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Hello, everyone. I am delighted to have with me today executive recruiter and guerrilla job search coach David Perry. As managing partner of Perry Mortel, David works with business owners in the high-tech construction and real estate development fields. The Wall Street Journal actually nicknamed him the Rogue Recruiter in a cover expose describing North America's most sought-after independent executive recruiters. His approach to executive headhunting has been documented in two best-selling books, Hiring Greatness, How to Recruit Your Dream Team and Crush the Competition, and Executive Resume, excuse me, Executive Recruiting for Dummies. David shares his approach for helping job seekers crack the hidden job market as the co-author of Guerrilla Marketing for Job Hunters 3.0 and as the co-founder of MindYouJobHunt.com. His writings have also been featured in Forbes, Fortune, and the Huffington Post. Um, so, David, thank you so much for joining me. I hope I got oh, it was that bio. <laughs> thank you very much for having me, Virginia. I'm excited to be here. Oh, you've heard me give just a quick overview of what you do and where we Um I'd love to hear how you came to this role and what you what got you really interested in helping to you know share with others about what what you see going on with the job market. Um, I, I'm an accidental headhunter. I okay. used to work in retail and uh, back in the early 80s. And I, and I met this guy in my warehouse who was an MBA and really didn't want to be stacking my shelves. And I asked him what he wanted to do. And he told me and I went and made a couple of phone calls on my lunch break. And I said, hey, you know, I got this guy sitting in my uh, warehouse, He's got an MBA and he really wants to work at a company like yours. You want to meet him? And anyway, long story short, I got good at doing this. I actually placed 21 of my own people who were working for oh. me. In, in better jobs. And then I started to look at the um, the whole recruiting industry. After I'd read, you know, What Colors Your Parachute, I uh, started love to approach these people. Yeah. Oh, I love it too. Dick was a great guy. Yeah. I approached all these companies. Uh, nobody would hire me because I didn't have any direct sales experience. I ended up talking one guy into starting an executive search division. I would start it from scratch. I'd never done this before. Really? And, uh, it, it was my 13th interview. It was at five o'clock in the morning at his house on a Sunday. And you know, he opened the door to go take a jog. And he said, what the hell are you doing here? And I said, well, you told me if I wanted the job. Anyway, long story short, I started working for this guy. I worked really hard for five months. I got married. I came back from my honeymoon. I found out that three of my deals had closed. It was about $84,000 in commissions. That agency had never seen that kind of money before in their lives. Um, so he fired me. Uh, he said, I just got lucky. So I went down the street and got lucky for somebody else. And then in 1988, uh, with about two years experience, I um, I started Perry Martel. My wife is my business partner. It was okay. her money. It was her money that started the company. It was her belief in us that started this thing, and her cash. And mm-hmm. um, we've been business partners ever since ever since 1988. And we've traveled the world and specialize in finding now for the last 15 years finding nothing but senior executives for tech companies, uh, commercial real estate firms, and construction companies. That's wow. Uh, that's- I love that. You know, and it's funny, and I don't think until you sort of are in the job search mode or helping others, you don't even know that there are people that do this kind of thing for a living. So I'm not surprised to hear that you are now a recruiter because I don't, you know, it's not, it's not like something you see in a career fair that comes through when you're in elementary school. 
I'm sorry, I didn't get that last part. Oh, I said it's not something we would learn about when we're in elementary school. You don't, it doesn't come out during the job fair or career career day. Uh, no, that, that, that kind of stuff normally doesn't know. Can you define for me the hidden job market? I feel like I, you know you read a lot about it, but everyone sort of has a different, slightly different take on what it means. What 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 does it mean to you? Um, that's a great question, and and you know it does mean a thousand things to a thousand different people. So here's what it means to me, and okay. maybe this will ring true with your listeners. First of all, it's called a hidden job market, not because anyone's actively hiding the jobs. So, and I've and I've listened to speakers talk about this. So no one's actually actively hiding any jobs, but we call it the hidden job market for two specific reasons. A there's an opportunity, but it may exist in a, in a manager, in a hiring manager's head, and they just haven't had time or the ability to sit down and articulate it. So, you know, in, in essence, it exists, but it's hidden because it's inside the mind of that hiring manager. The, the other way of looking at the hidden jar market is a, is a little bit more creative. So... Anybody that's listening to you has probably been to Monster or Indeed or LinkedIn mm-hmm. and has done a job search. Here's what you don't know. Every time you do a search on Monster, for example, you'll get X number of companies that come up um, with a job, right, that match your skills. Right. Well, that, those companies have paid, in some, in some cases, a lot of money, as much as $500 or $800, to post that ad in that one city for 30 days. Why is that important? Well, um, there are, that company will have multiple competitors. Most right. companies have at least 10. Um, and in America, same as in Canada, um, the real growth engine of the economy are small and medium-sized businesses. And I can tell you right now that small and medium-sized businesses don't and won't and haven't and will not spend you know, $800 a month to post an ad. So what does this mean? It means that every time you see an, a, an, an ad on a job board for company a, ABC, there are 10 more companies that have the same job and probably have a same job opening, but they haven't advertised it yet because they don't have budget. Right. So th- those are hidden jobs because they didn't have the money to put, the, um, put it up. Um, and, and that's what people have to remember. You know, we teach something called the, um, the monster hack. You go to Monster, you throw in the three skills that you want to sell for the most amount of money, and up come all the opportunities. And as you're scrolling through those opportunities, you'll see companies that you know and some companies that you didn't know. Well, every time you see a company that you know or even that you didn't know, understand that there are they have competitors. So, you know, the hidden job market becomes unhidden when you stop applying for jobs. I know this sounds sacrilegious. Stop applying for jobs and start applying to companies. And you do that by finding the companies that have the skills that, uh, or buy the skills that you want to sell and then find all their competitors and, and do the research on where you fit best long before you ever um, even contemplate contacting them. Does that make sense? I, I love, I love this. Um, and this is what I coach my clients on as well. Um, where, so what I see happen quite a bit, and I don't, I'm curious to know if you feel like this falls into the hidden job market is where maybe a larger company that does have the money to post on Monster and in other cities, there's a time lag from when the 
idea for the job opportunity goes from the person's brain through HR, through to formulating the job posting and gets published. And during that time, it's human nature for a manager to start saying, well, who do I know? Or, hey, guys, who do you know? And so then by the time the posting actually comes out, there's a pipeline of people that are sort of pre-qualified. Correct. Do you think that happens a good bit, or do you think it's really more that the smaller businesses that just don't earmark the funds for this type of thing um, are generating the majority of the roles? You think it's both? Sorry, what was that question, Virginia? So do you think that that happens, do you think that makes up a good percentage of of jobs, the ones that do get posted, but it's sort of too late if you wait till you see the posting? Um, or do you think it's more that we're talking about smaller companies that just don't earmark the funds for this sort of thing? Um, that's a great question. Here's the way I would answer that. Um, I would answer it by asking people if, if they've ever experienced knowing someone that, you, that sold their house and you didn't even know their house was for sale, right? Um, so what happens a lot in real estate is the same thing that happens a lot with job hunting. Um, so the, the, the best jobs oftentimes never make it to the market yeah. because someone is, is standing there, sitting there, knows somebody or can be found quickly by a hiring manager that's got a problem. Very few organizations spend a lot of time in advance organizing who they're going to hire and how they're going to do that. Most hiring is is pretty knee-jerk because someone leaves or retires and they didn't think about it. So, you know, I, I would I honestly think that 90%, and it may even be more than that, um, of the hiring that happens uh, every year happens uh, below the surface, and you never see it. And, you know, it, again, hidden, but it's not really. No, it's only it's hidden from you. It's a little harder, right? Yeah, it's only hidden from you because they couldn't find you. And that's a whole other topic, right? No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, I see that you educate people a great deal on the notion that you know, traditional methods of job search can often be fruitless. They can be a dead end. Are there certain ones that are, you know, offer the poorest ROI? So for instance, job fairs versus applying online versus mail campaigns. Are there some that are more effective or less effective? Um. So that's a trick question, and, and, and it's, a good, it's a good one. It's a good one, Virginia, but it's a okay. trick question. Um, I would I would say that every method of looking for a job is a good method if if it's targeted, and therein lies the issue with most people. M- most people don't do the, the 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 number one thing that they should do before they start looking for a job, and that number one thing is clarity. If you know what you want to do and who you want to work for and you've built your top 10 list, then job fairs and applying online and mail campaigns can all be relevant. They really can. But most people look at job hunting as a numbers game. You know, they're going to apply, you know, a thousand places and send out a thousand resumes and somebody by geez is going to is going to hire them. recruiting and job hunting is not a numbers game. And, you know, um, if you throw your 
life to luck. Um, you just never know what you're going to get. I prefer to be uh, far more intentional. And that's why I always tell people, sit down, figure out what you want to do, who you want to do it for, make up that list, and then figure out who's got the problems inside those companies that you can solve and go and tell them how you're going to do that. And do you want me to tell you how to do that, Virginia? Please. <laughs> okay. So we have this tactic called um, networking with the newly departed. It's not dead people. Um, <laughs> it's people that used to work at a company. You know, traditional networking doesn't work for a whole variety of reasons, including the fact that when times are tough, uh, nobody wants to bring anybody else new in because it jeopardizes, it could jeopardize their role. So that it, it just shuts down everything. But if, if you really want, if you've got a top 10 list and you want to know if it's a if, if it's worth your while to even go and talk to a hiring manager at ABC Corporation, wouldn't you like to know ahead of time whether or not that hiring manager at ABC Corporation is a schmuck or not? Yeah. Yeah. Because then we can save ourselves, you know, hours and not days. Of time, right? Yeah. Right. And a lot of pain if they turn out to be a schmuck and they trick you into, into, into joining. So the way you do this is really simple. You go to Google. And I've been doing this as a as a headhunter, well, for as long as Google's been around. Okay. But you uh, you go to Google and you type in in bra- in brackets or parentheses mm-hmm. the name of the company you want to work for, the name of the department, like marketing or administration or sales or operations or engineering that you right. want to work you want to work for. The word resume, and then you put in the negative sign. You skip a space and you put in negative apply. So what that tells Google to do is go and get all of the resumes, not the jobs, because jobs say apply here. So it throws out all the jobs. It tells Google to go and get all the resumes of all the people that ever worked in marketing for ABC Company. Whoever worked at that in that department. Yeah, in that department, right? So so you you start to read these things and they come in, you know, based on um, how fresh they are. That's how Google works. But date-wise, so you start to read these things and you find one that was, you know, done by, it's a resume of Virginia Franco. And you just pick up the phone because Virginia's phone number is right there. And you say, hi, Virginia, my name is David Perry. I I know that you used to work at ABC Corporation in marketing. And um, I'm doing some research. I'd love to find some time that I could ask you some questions. Would you mind? And they'll either say yes or no. 95 I think that stuff would be confidential. What would be confidential? The resume. No, it's right on Google. So if, if you work for AT&T and you have an AT&T marketing plus resume minus supply, people that apply for jobs at AT&T will show up, their resumes. Uh, well, see, what it, what it tells Google, to, yeah, so what it tells Google to do is go out and find all the resumes that are online that have the name of your company that you want to work at. Um and, and, and the department, that name for that company that you want to work at, mm-hmm. and, and they bring it to you. It's not mm-hmm. – and, and when you put it in minus apply because job – what you don't want is all the job ads, right? Right, 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 right. You just want the resumes. So you want to pick someone, or I always pick, say pick three people. And I picked Virginia Franco, and I picked up the phone and introduced myself and said, can I ask you some questions? And, and Virginia said no. And I said, oh, well, geez, I'm sorry. Well – um, here's why I'm asking you, and I tell you that I'm doing some research on these ten companies that I'm 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 interested in in working at, and uh, I know you used to work there, and I understand you're really busy, but I uh, I just keep you 
for a couple of seconds. And, and honestly, it would be a, a really big help. I just want to make sure that, you know, if I go to this ABC company where you used to work, that, that you know, the boss isn't a schmuck. And people mm-hmm. will, and so these are the people that have said no, right? And, the, and they'll laugh, mm-hmm. no, no, they're not a schmuck. Or, oh yeah, you want to avoid that one. And then you ask a couple more questions. So what you do is you end up whittling down your top 10 list yeah. to maybe eight or seven. But you know, Virginia, you know that these are the seven companies that you can work for because they've got a problem that, that your skills apply to. And you've probably got accomplishments that you can talk about with these people. So what you do with that is you then turn around and you, you know, you, we call them guerrilla cover letters and guerrilla uh, resumes. You, you then put together a cover letter and you do this for a living um, and you're good at it. And it says, hi, my name is, and, um, you know, in, the, in my last role, I saw these three issues um, and I'd love to have a coffee and, uh, and tell you about it because I understand these are the same issues that you have. And you send that. You're speaking specifically to their pain points. Yeah, because yeah. because when they get it, 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 it's not a resume and it's not a please give me a job letter. It's a you got a problem I can solve. Let's talk about this. And, and in all honesty, you know this. Um, if the problem is big enough, you're going to have a coffee. And if it's really big enough and worth money to solve, um, they're going to either offer you a contract or they're going to hire you. It, 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 we have done this tens of thousands of times. Um, this works. And, you know, when people talk about customizing your resume and your cover letter to every job, this is really what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, th- th- 90% of your resume is going to stay the same. But that last right. 10% really deals with the employer or the hiring manager's pain points. And it just you're makes saying, it so clear to them. send a cover letter, but don't send a resume. So you're sort of like pitching, pitching the journalist to cover you in the news. So you just send... Then the pitch, and the pitch is: this is the problem I've seen, and this is how I can solve it. Um, yes, and that works fabulously well. And if you're not going to send a one cover or you know a resume, whether it's mm-hmm. one page or five, uh, you're just going to send the letter. That's fine. Um, I suggest then that you also go back into your LinkedIn profile, yeah. make sure those issues line up correctly with what that hiring manager's um, issues are. And, and, and for the seven or eight companies you're going to do with this with, the issues are going to be very similar because you found, you went out looking for companies that had the issues that fit the skills, the three skills that you threw into Monster or LinkedIn. I love that. That makes sense? Yeah, no, it does. And, and speaking of LinkedIn, do you feel like I've actually, I never, it, I never thought of using the Google search tool that you suggested. But um, what I had told people is to use LinkedIn's filters to find people that either work there or that have recently left there and use that to find people. But I like the Google approach as well. And, and, and so it works. And your idea works as well if you go and find people who used to work yeah. at the companies you're targeting. It, it's easier to network into a company and find out the truth than it is to network into a company that you're trying to get into. Because by going in through the, the back door and finding people that used to work there, you get to ask some pretty pointed questions about what the real issues are. And you get to make a decision up front whether or not you even want to spend yeah. any more time going after these companies. No, you're right. And you do tend to get better intel, in my view, from people that have left um because i don't feel the need to tow the company line correct absolutely correct well that is brilliant 
Um, so in terms of this approach, do you feel like this is a, a completely industry neutral approach? Does it work better in some than in others? And then what about its effectiveness depending on the level of your career, you know, executive and C-suite versus early to mid-level? So I, I can say with absolute certainty that regardless of whether you're a student in high school or a CEO of a major corporation, this approach works. And it even works for shy people if, if they can uh, get the courage to have that first phone call and, and try the networking with the newly departed. Because um, even just doing it once, they will discover that it's impossible for someone on the other end of the phone to kill you. Your life will not end if they hang up on you, if they get mad at you. And it just doesn't happen, right? But these are all the images that go through your head. All they have to do is do it once and they're hooked. And all of a sudden, you're a master researcher and you're just going to town and having fun. Your your job hunting gets to, I know it sounds bizarre, but job hunting like this can be a lot of fun because it's very targeted and you get to have great conversations. And you're not waiting around for someone to get back to you. And you're not trying to, to, to you're, not, you're not pestering someone to try and pick up the phone and return your call because you don't know where you are in the process. No, you're totally in the driver's seat here, Virginia. Yeah. Pick those 10 companies and just go to town. And if none of them work out because they all send to butts, hey, listen, either go to another town, go to another industry, choose three of your skills and go again. Yeah, no, and, I love and you know, with shy people or people that are introverted, they actually make the best researchers, I feel like. And so you're being really good. Your list, their lists tend to be much more sharply targeted, in my view. Yeah, and, and, and in their case, they're going to send a, maybe they use a Trojan thank you card. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you about that if you want. Yeah, uh, please do. But, you know, for someone that, that's shy or someone that doesn't want to put together a resume for whatever reason. You can you know, do all your due diligence, the newly departed, put your letter together, and then you fold it into three, four pieces, or you fold it in half and half again. Um, and I don't know about you, but you know, I, I'm old enough to remember that a three-by-five-inch white envelope, there's only two things that come in, in it, either a thank-you note or a party invitation. That's right, and not anthrax. <laughs> so exactly, right? The divorce papers never come in, in, in any way. Um, so if you want to be in control of the mood of the person that's going to open your um, letter and read it, that's the way to do it. Because they're already smiling because the card, they think it's an invitation or a thank you note. And um, you just start off the letter with one simple line that says, thank you very much for reading my letter. And they go, oh, and they smile again. They don't feel they've been duped. They smile again. And there's your pitch. And if you're shy, you know, you've already detailed what you've done. They're going to pick up the phone and they're going to call you. You were saying to this before, so you've got a you know, little piece of paper and you send it and do that in the call to so try to warm them up to do the call. Uh, you don't have to warm them up during the call. You just um, um, I mean, no, send no, them no, the, no. send them the, and by the way, you can Google this by, right? Trojan, thank you. Note okay. or Trojan thank you letter. Um, all this stuff is I've written about it many many times. It's up on Google. It'd be easy to find by anyone okay. listening. Um, 
and all the instructions are there, it, 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 the onus is now on them. They get it. They call you back. I, I can't tell you how many thousands of people have started conversations that have led to jobs this way. And, and we both know, Virginia, that the hardest part of the, um, the job search process is starting the conversation. Yeah. And by putting a letter together like this or putting your resume together that focuses on their issues, um, it's easy because you don't have to talk. They know that you've solved their problems. So they're introducing themselves and, you know, literally, we've seen this happen, begging you to have a coffee with them to, to find out more. And you just have to go and have a conversation. It's not a job interview. It's not a job interview. Um, you're not asking for a job. You're asking for information. Correct. Is there an email version of the Trojan thank you letter? I'm just thinking now that people are still not completely working in offices yet. That's a really good question. So, you know, an alternative to the, um, again, you can Google this, an alternative to the Trojan thank you card is the email chain letter. And I know that nobody likes chain letters. However, let me explain how this chain letter works. Okay. You take your, you got your list of top 10 companies you want to work for, and you take 10 of your friends, not 11, not 20, not 100, you take 10, 10 people that actually like you and they know you. And you send them uh, an email letter that says, Dear Virginia, as you know, I've left um, XYZ company uh, where I was a project manager or whatever it was, fill in the blank. um, And I'm looking for my next um, uh, opportunity and my top three accomplishments there were line, 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 bullet, bullet, bullet. And um, I actually have a list here of 10 companies below that uh, I'm looking at. So could you do me a favor, please? Could you A, look at the list and let me know if you know anybody that used to work at that company or even works there now, but used to work at those companies? And if so, can you call me and and let me know? I'd like an introduction. And Mm -hmm. secondly, if you wouldn't mind, could you forward my email on to 10 of your closest friends and ask them to read this and do the exact same thing. That's the chain letter part. And then you say, you know, thank you very much. P.S. Nothing bad will happen if you don't pass on my chain. If you break this chain. And you don't, so people laugh and they do. My, my daughter did this. She, really? I'm standing, okay. Do you want me to tell you that story? Yeah. I'm standing in the airport in Detroit and my, my phone goes off. I'm getting on a plane and my daughter says, dad, I, it's Wednesday. I got to, I got to do, um, uh, I got to find a job and I got to talk about how I did it, uh, for a presentation. I said, when's the presentation? She said, Friday. I said, oh, okay, so here's what you do. You're going to do a targeted Facebook ad campaign. We'll talk about that, that later. I said in an email chain letter and she knew what the email chain letter was. Um, cause she, yeah, she's, she was 20 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she's 30 now. So she knew what that was. So, um, she said, great. So I get on the plane for, in Detroit. I fly to Philadelphia because that's my connection to you know Montreal or Ottawa. So um, I land in Philadelphia and my phone goes off and it says, hey, great. The, the, uh, the, the, the letter's done. I just need your credit card number and your PIN. So I give her that stuff, get on the plane, land in Ottawa three hours later and the phone goes off. And she said, it worked. I said, what worked? She said, uh, the letter. I got, uh, I got two interviews tomorrow. I said, B asked. She said, no, absolutely. And anyway, she made the presentation on Friday. And uh, the following month, she had an interview on Saturday. And the following Monday, uh, she left for a six-month um, stage internship uh, in the Ukraine. Wow. And, and, and the chain letter email campaign, so the chain letter email, again, you can Google it, 
that has it's something that we make people do on the second Friday in our boot camps. You spend the first week and a half lining up all your material and getting your voicemails written, scripted, and all that kind of stuff. And then Friday we make you launch with this chain letter email thing. And the pushback I get on this is extreme. And then but I always think chain letter and you cringe, right? But yeah, people just don't believe it's going to work. And then, uh, and I've had you know one of my best friend's daughters who was, you know, in her early 40s, tell me that, uh, you know, this is just, and she's in marketing, just the stupidest thing she's ever heard. And I said, Kate, listen, either you execute this today um, and we'll talk about it next week or don't show up for the boot camp yeah. on Monday because I don't care. Anyway, she executed it. And, and I know this because she did this first thing in the morning on Friday morning at about 10.30. She calls me and she, said, she says, you'll never guess what. I said, what? She said, well, I, I executed the chain letter. I've had four phone calls, and the company that's on the top of my list it was an advertising firm. The top of my list actually phoned me, and I've got an interview this afternoon. I said, "Good." Anyway, she, and she closed it. A week later. Uh, and so, do you send your resume as part of the chain letter campaign or no? No, you don't. Don't bother. It, it's a personal invitation because if they want to know more about you, they're going to look at your LinkedIn profile, right? That's right. And your LinkedIn profile talks about what you've done because you know what these companies are looking for because. You did the research with the new That's right. That's right. So so the, your point always begins with the research. Um, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. Um, so this is actually a perfect segue to talk about social media and social networking uh, as a job search tactic. So how do you get started? What what other do you teach a boot camp about the role of social media in this? What do I teach about social media in the boot camps? And social networking, yeah. You reference Facebook campaigns. Yeah, I, we, we, so we talk about a, a bunch of things, and, and, and but they all have a common theme. And, okay. and, it, and it's all around... Remember the story Hansel and Gretel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the old man, and the, and the wicked you know, the wicked stepmother, whatever. So the, he, he takes them out in the woods, you know, and leaves, leaves them there to die, and Hansel leaves breadcrumbs. And they find their way back, and they keep doing this. So it's the same thing... With the job search, all right? Only it's digital breadcrumbs. Here's what I mean by that. Um, and it doesn't matter. And, and these rules apply to every single social media, including Instagram, that okay. anybody, anybody's ever going to need to use to get a job. And that is when you start with clarity and you understand what you want to do and who you want to do it for, what skills you want to use, um, and you talk about those skills in those social media platforms because they ask you for your name and what you're interested in. You get to put your profile up, right? So as long as those words describe what you want to be found for, those are digital breadcrumbs. So no matter where someone searches, and I'll give you an example in a second, no matter where someone searches, they're they're going to find those digital breadcrumbs that lead back to you. And I'll give you a perfect example. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, this, this Detroit thing where I was talking at the World Economic Forum in Detroit, I got 800 some odd engineers in the room and I'm making fun of them because, you know, I'm just a simple BA in economics <laughs> and they're all engineers. And I said, um, I asked them because I held up a $50 bill, and I, American $50 bill. And I said, if you can tell me how many exhaust systems engineering jobs there are in Detroit, I'll give you the 50 bucks. So I went around the room for about five minutes and nobody, nobody's even close. And I said, well, listen, I got up this morning at 530 and I did a guess. I went on Google and Google says there's 43 and LinkedIn says there's 35 and Twitter says there's 16. 
And, and here's why I can tell you that. I said, because I'm a very simple recruiter. I'm a, I'm a BA in, in economics. So if I'm a recruiter, I'm going to do what every other recruiter does. If I have a job order where I'm looking for an exhaust systems engineer in Detroit, I'm going to do the same thing over and over again, different words. So I said, would all the exhaust systems engineers please stand up? And so about 40 some odd people stood up. I said, great. Thank you very much. Remain standing. Um, now, I'm going to ask you, if I went to LinkedIn as a very simple BA and typed in the words that I know are going to describe the person that I'm looking for, which would be exhaust systems engineer, Detroit, would I find you? And I'm asking that question because I'm only going to find you if you've actually used those words, all of them. So remain standing. They all sat down. I said, okay, so this is the point. You know, you have to, you have to, you have to speak the same language as hiring managers and recruiters. And it's very simple language. What are they looking for? If we're looking for a pizza, we're not, you know, we're, we're not looking into Chinese in the yellow pages, right? So exhaust systems engineers, Detroit brings me back a list of. That's how it goes with all social media. So I can find you whether you're on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever, so long as you've left those digital breadcrumbs that allow me to identify you as the owner of those skills. That that is that is job hunting at its simplest. Yeah. And Which is why if you just put sales or account executive, if you're looking for a sales job, that's not nearly specific enough for no one's gonna just search for that when they're looking for that talent. They're gonna be specific to the product or the service. I, I, selling when they're looking, right? Exactly. I always say, you know, you, you need to be able to sit down and and, re- and remember the words that you use to describe your job to a ten-year-old. Love that. If you can describe your job to a ten-year-old, then Google. You can you can use those words. Google will find you because it, it's just a database of words and terms. That's it. You're right. You're right. Um, so you got you to speak to it in the language that it understands. And, and then all of a sudden, um, finding a job becomes, you know, oh, no, another pesky phone call from another recruiter or a hiring manager where I have to decide if I want to talk to them. Oh, woe is me. Um, and it's a lot easier to pick up the phone and say yes or no than it is to try and get someone else to pick up the phone to have a meeting with you. So you know, just do us all a favor. There's you know, there's a quarter million headhunters in America. You know, we're, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Make it easy for people to find you for the job you want to be found for. Please. So you're recommending a two-pronged approach then. Make it easy for people to find you, but then also reach out to find Absolutely. There's only two ways you find work, Virginia. You find a job or you're found for a job. That's it. Right, right. Are there any other search engine optimization tricks that you um, you have maybe used in your role as a headhunter that you recommend the job seekers think about? Um, I can tell you this one, but if your listeners are listening carefully and they hear this, they're not allowed to tell anybody else. And it's it's not about LinkedIn. Um, It is about the largest quote-unquote, job board in the entire world. Um, if you're a specialist, let's, let's stay with, uh, let's, let's, let's use baking, okay? okay. If, you're, if you want to become a baker and you want to find a job, um, I would suggest that you log on to Amazon and you find the top three most popular baking books 
that apply to what you, that are you know, of interest to what you want to do in baking. Um, and if you've read them, you should make a comment. My name is, and I do this for a living, and I really like this book because boom, boom, boom. Now, this is not far-fetched. I can't tell you. Well, I actually probably could. The number of senior executives and engineers and marketing people and just plain ordinary folk um, I have found looking for the, 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 the top um, best-read books on Amazon in a, in a particular topic. And especially if you've got a rare skill set, you know, if you're a, a nuclear thermal engineer, there are only like 15 books on it. You should go and comment on all 15 of them because that's where I found my last one. I went to um, Amazon and did a search and read some of the reviews from some of the people that had uh, read this book and uh, found a couple of the people, phoned up and said, hey, I liked your review on. And uh, by the way, I'm looking for and they weren't looking for a job. But I was looking for them, and you know, they found it hard to believe that that's what I had done. But that's how I found them. Wow! I bet you've seen some crazy comments on Amazon. Uh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I no, have. that's brilliant, and that is just you know, off the beaten path. So there's nothing nearly as competitive as going the traditional routes. Um, that's brilliant. Um, a lot and switching gears a little bit. I read in a Fortune article that you suggested grabbing people's attention by offering competitive intelligence. Yeah, that was an example. So here's the whole story, okay. uh, and I'll keep it quick. Because so the whole story is, I'm sitting at my desk minding my own business one day when I got this nice young lady who called me up. She was a new grad from NYU, and she had just gotten her first opportunity as a journalist to write an article for Fortune magazine, and it was a 300 to 500 word article. And you and I both know 300 is a whole lot harder to write than 500. Yeah. And, uh, and she had read the Wall Street Journal piece, and she understood I did creative stuff, and would I mind answering some questions? I said, sure. I said, do you have a tape recorder? She said, I don't need that. I can type. I said, turn the tape recorder on, record this call. We're just going to have a conversation. I, I swear to God. Hour and a half later, I said, okay, you've got everything you need. Here are 10 people that will tell you I'm, I'm a nut, 10 people that will tell you how this works. And uh, you go do it, you go do whatever you want with it. So, you know, fast forward six months, I haven't heard from her. And her 300 to 500 word article never appeared because it became the cover story. Her fortune in May of 2009. I mean, her first piece she ever put in. Them is, you know, wow. Just, just shake your head, right? So as, um, as part of this, I was talking to her about here's what you do when you're um, job hunting aggressively. And she couldn't put this in the main article, so she put it in a, in a Yahoo piece. Um, but I said, when you go into an interview, you have to understand that everything that you say can and will be used against you. Point of fact, right? To their, to an employer's advantage. So understanding that and understanding that you don't have a financial or a fiduciary responsibility to that employer because you don't work there yet – it would behoove you, as the interview is um, wrapping up, to say, listen, can I ask you some questions? And they'll say, sure. And the question you want to ask most is, I understand these are your top five competitors. And you just list them off. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, yeah. I said, well, can you tell me, what is it about you know, EDF company that keeps you guys up at night? And then sit back, listen, and take notes. And you do that for all five of these. And if someone is actually 
willing and silly enough to answer those questions. It is in your best interest that as you leave the interview and thank them, whether you got that job or not, because you don't know yet, you don't owe them anything, but you're leaving. When you go out in the parking lot in your car, you close the door. And the first thing you do is you open up your day timer or whatever you've got. And you have the names of the hiring managers or executives or whatever it is of those five companies. And you phone them up and you get their voicemail and you say, hi, my name is. And I just came out of an interview with, and you wouldn't believe what it is you're doing that keeps them up at night. If you'd like to know, call me back, blah, 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 phone number, hang up. Do that five times. You will get five calls back. You will get five more interviews. And wow. when, when this came out in Yahoo, oh my God, it was just, I, I felt bad for her because there, uh, Yahoo had to take it down uh, after about a, a week. I don't remember the exact numbers, but there's over 750 HR managers who chimed in and called me the, 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 uh, the evilest man, the evilest recruiter in America. But honestly, when you think of this, does it not make sense to do that? You asked a question. That makes sense, yeah. And someone answered it. They gave you the answer. You have no, you have no relationship with them. That's You're right. They're not paying you, right. They're going to hold everything you've said against you when they negotiate with you, if they're going to hire you. It's your opportunity to take that intelligence and use it, on, use it to your own advantage in the market space. Again, it's a, it, it's a bold move. It's not for everybody. But boy, those who use it have, have had very good results. Yeah. Yeah, I can see some people feeling a little squishy about it. Um, well, there's plenty that, that won't. So you know, do listen to all your options and then pick which ones you're trying. I love that. Well, it, it's a job search is multimodal, right? You have right. to try. You have to have a list of things that you're going to uh, try, and you're going to do them all at the same time, not one after the other. It's, uh, uh, it's in the armed forces, in the military, we call it the force multiplier effect. Mm. You go over, you go under, you go by sea, you go by air. You know, all at the same time. All at the same time. That's right. Um, and when you're saying to drop that person's name in the conversation, or can you leave it neutral? You know, that you okay. really were just heard in this interview. Uh, sorry, Virginia, I didn't hear that question. Oh, I'm sorry, are you saying that you should drop the person's name that interviewed you, or are you saying just say no, 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 just say okay. I just okay. came out of it? No, right. okay. That's a great question. Thank you for asking. Okay. Uh, that, that, that is a great question. No, you don't You don't mention who you're talking yeah. to. You say, I come back for an interview at, for this kind of position, and you wouldn't believe what it is that uh, yeah. you're doing that keeps them up at night. Do you want to talk about it? I love that. I love that. And, that, and you know, some people won't have an answer because they haven't really, they're, they're not thinking that strategically, but all you need is one person just weigh in and you've got some intelligence, some, some good thought. That's great. Oh yeah. I mean, as a recruiter, I'll give you an example. As a recruiter, I've made presentations of candidates. Um, we call them most placeable uh, candidates an MPC. I'll make a presentation to a company I don't know. And I'm talking to the CEO or the VP of something and they'll say yes or no. And if they say no, um, we're not interested in that kind of person. I'll say, well, you know what? Um, eventually I'd like to do business with you. So let me understand. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put, put this candidate somewhere because they're, they're five star. So who wouldn't you like me to place this candidate with who in your competitors do you uh -huh. not want me to place this candidate with? 
and they'll tell me. And I don't have a relationship, right? So if you tell me I don't want you to place them at you know MNO Corporation, uh, I guarantee I'm going to take a look at MNO, and I'm going to see if there's a fit there, and I'm going to make the call. Yeah, no. So what we do? No, that's right. It's not like this stuff is off the record. Um, I love that. So I think we should do here slightly, but I would love for you to weigh in and maybe settle the debate. Do you feel like a resume, which is more important in your mind, a resume or a LinkedIn? LinkedIn. LinkedIn, why? LinkedIn, because um, if it's used correctly, most people don't use it correctly, um, because it, it can be changed on the fly instantaneously. It can be assessed, it can be assessed accessed by anybody, any time of the day, 24-7. Um, keeping that up to date is a very easy, and if you keep yeah. it accomplishments-focused, um, that's what people will find you for. Resumes have to change, and you know, in, in all honesty, uh, you know, resume shouldn't be any more than a page, in my estimation, two pages at most. And you know, resumes are really just, and here's where I get myself in trouble, resumes are, are, are really lingerie. As opposed to um, you know flannel ladies, the resume is, desi- is designed to get a reader's attention for about thirty seconds, just long That's enough, right, yeah, just long enough to prompt them to pick up the phone and call you. You don't want to tell them your entire life story. Um, you want to wait for the interview for that, and it's the same thing on LinkedIn. You don't want to take your resume and just dump it into LinkedIn. No. You want to talk about what you did, what your accomplishments were, why you loved working there, what gets you up in the morning and gets you going. Um, and there's no place for that in a resume. No, yeah, that's why. I, that's why I like reading LinkedIn more. So, if resumes are the lingerie, then what's LinkedIn? Oh, you're gonna, again, I'm going to get in trouble. It's a peep show. Oh God, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble. It's, it's a chorus. It's a chorus line. How's that? I, 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 seem to, I seem to have lost you, Virginia. No, no, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Um, okay. So, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because it's been it's something that I'm sure that you've seen and helped people to navigate. Um, there's always talk about discrimination when it comes to hiring practices. There's a lot of isms. There's ageism. There's sexism. There's racism. What what are your thoughts on the topic, and how do you advise job seekers to navigate that? That's a great question. Um, and if I was just dealing with ageism, I would say it's BS. But we're not. You asked a much more comprehensive question. And the answer to that question, it goes back to the focus on clarity. People are rejected uh, for whatever reason, often because they're talking to the wrong person. And I'll give you a perfect example. Most of your listeners have probably bought a car. And if you bought a used car, even better. You go in, you look at the car, you decide on the car, you ask how much. You negotiate with the with the sales guy. You make sure that he's actually empowered to, to close the deal. You come to a conclusion, and then they go, oh, i got to get this okayed by my manager, and off they go. And they come back, and you got to start all over again. Yeah. Why, why do I say this? I said, you have to make sure, as a job hunter, you're talking to the right person. It's never HR. 
shoot me, don't care. Um, you need to make sure that you're talking to the person who has the problem you're going to solve because they're the only ones that can actually justifiably judge you and your qualifications. Nobody else can. HR can't, a recruiter can't. It has to be the actual hiring manager that's got the issue. But most people apply for jobs and they're screened by recruiters or HR managers who are one or two or three steps removed from the actual decision maker who has the problem. So they never get to see you. Um, so that's why if you go back to top 10 companies, who you really want to work for, find out who's got the problem you can solve find and figure out how you're going to get in front of them. You'll actually be talking to the person that's got the issue that you can solve and is empowered to say yes. Almost anybody can say no. You're looking for the person that's empowered to say yes. And when you do that, um, ageism doesn't matter. Racism really doesn't come into play because, you know, no manager that's, you know, worth their bonus is going to, is going to look at anybody um, and not judge them for their, you know, purely for their skills and their abilities. It's it's economic and career suicide. Now, so you so these tactics that you're saying it really allows you to bypass screening, bypass all of these people that are in a position to say no very easily, and get in front of the person empowered to say yes. And knew it is well worth their while to look beyond the the surface stuff. Absolutely. No. I mean, you become a, a, a job hunting pool of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great, great answer. Um, so someone comes up to you, I'm sure they do, and they say, okay, I'm going to start job searching. What are one or two tools that I need to get started? What would you say? I would say I'll give you two and they're both free. Okay. And the first one is a double. So the first, the first tool you need is enthusiasm and joy. <laughs> if you don't look at this as an opportunity to change your life or to change, you know, the world, uh, it's going to be a long haul and it's going to be hard. And I, I say, and I also, so enthusiasm and joy and clarity. If you know who you are and what you want to do and who you want to do it for, you'll find opportunities to work with them everywhere. And I'll give you a perfect example. If you've ever bought a brand new car or even a used car and you've driven it off the lot, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a white uh, uh, Dodge Charger. Driving home, you'll notice on the road a whole bunch of white chargers that you never noticed before <laughs> because you weren't tuned in. Your reticular, ac- your reticular activation um your RAS uh, was not in focus. If, if you focus with clarity on what you want, you're going to find those opportunities. They start to pop up. It's true. Absolutely everywhere. No, that's so, so true. Um, so you have two hats. You've got your boot camps. You have your, your recruiting firm. You've got all of these books. What is next for you in 2021? I'm getting ready to retire. And uh, getting retired at 65 in the next four years, I have a lot to do. I've got two more books on the go. We've just uh, launched um, that uh, new book, Diary of a Successful Job Hunter, Actionable Tactics and Practical Strategies to Land Your Dream Job in Any Economy. And we put it out for free uh, on uh, my new job hunt. My goal over the next four years is to show America and, frankly, to show the world that there's a better way to put 
people into occupations that they'll be fantastic at. Yeah. And, and that by doing this, it will allow us as the planet, literally, to solve the bigger issues that are facing all of us. Um, you know, nobody can stop and help anybody else in the world um, unless their own issues are taken care of first. And there's so much turmoil now, there doesn't have to be, that if we can just settle, settle out some of these issues, like putting everybody back in jobs, and if they happen to be jobs that they like. And the right jobs, right. And the right jobs that are even better than, you know, I, I grew up in the United States of America at the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs in the late okay. 70s, early 70s, loved it. And uh, I know what America is capable of doing. I've seen what America has done for the rest of the world, and it's mm-hmm. all good. So let's, uh, let's get everybody back to work, and then uh, let's sit down and figure out how we focus in on the really big issues in the world and get them solved. It's all within our hands and, and the capabilities. Oh gosh! Well, I am an immigrant. I came here as a child, as a baby, and you just—I'm going to share what you said to my father. It will make him so happy. Um, so, I have on your bio links to my new job hunt, your LinkedIn profile, um, Perry Martell, and then also links to the three books that I've referenced. Are there, if people want to learn more, are there any other sites that you want to call out so that people can find you? Now, the only other place that they can get more uh, tactics is mm-hmm. if they went to GM. It's the letters GM, the number four, and JH.com. So that stands for Guerrilla Marketing for Job Hunters. So GM for JH.com. There's like 1,800 articles okay. that I've written over the last 15 years, and I guarantee you 99% of them are still germane and will work today. Well, this, is, this stuff is evergreen. What yes. you've been sharing. I mean, except for the whole mail thing versus email because of COVID, everything else will probably ring true 20 years from now. I, I think so. These, these yeah. are skills we should have learned in school. We didn't. That's right. I know. I know. It's such, a, it's such an issue. Um, well, I cannot thank you enough. You have taught me more than a thing or two. And I just, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing such concrete examples. Um, this was wonderful. Virginia, thanks for having me on. You asked really good questions and great follow-up. I wish you and all your listeners the absolute best. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.